Welcome everybody. This is the Nourished A podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Sandra Goldenberg as usual. We have a special guest today, Ryan Rubin, a good friend of mine. We've been buddies since high school. Ryan is one of those movers and shakers like we talk about in a in our last podcast. Type person we want on the show to talk to because he's been doing some amazing things in Toronto. He's based out of Kensington Market. He's got a shop there. It's called Longboard Living. He's built up an amazing brand, uh, and he's teaching longboard. He's really f- passing the stoke to people, as he likes to say. Um, we're going to talk to Ryan very soon. And again, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Let's get to it. Ryan, how's it going? Good, Sean. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I uh, spent some time listening to your first episode, and I really like what you guys are doing um, with the whole health and wellness topic. And, um, you know, uh, I'm super stoked to be here and and share my story with you guys um a quick little intro and on myself um i finished university not knowing exactly what i wanted to do Uh, i studied um sociology psychology and human resources at uh, university of western ontario um and i when i moved to toronto i was looking for different jobs and it was actually the longboard something i had always had became uh, my means of transportation to and from the subway, to and from different job interviews, and I became really engaged with the city through my board, um, and I'd kind of built a lifestyle around it. I had to answer a lot of questions from people about my board, um, so it was clear that you know there's a level of fascination around a long skateboard. So that led me to uh, figure out how where I could get some and how I could sell them. Who could paint on them how we could design them and that was uh, sort of the beginning of the brand which led to uh, it was very art based and focused for the first few years we were doing collaborations and collections and art shows and eventually had a space where i could um, in kensington market in the basement of a house where we could have art shows we could sell boards and we transitioned into a longboard skateboard specialty shop this allowed us to um uh, host group skateboard events, um, teach lessons. It was a meeting place for for this culture that I was trying to uh, engage with people. And it kind of went from there. That was in 2008. I started uh, sort of, you know, living that lifestyle. 2010, I had had our first location. And today we're, uh, you know, at the intersection of Augusta and Baldwin in Kensington Market with a, a nice, small, simple little storefront to you know, as you mentioned, uh, I like to spread the stoke, which is to share the feeling of awesomeness that you get from riding a board, um, whether it's a surfboard, a snowboard, it's that feeling of, you know, literally awesomeness is the stoke. And, you know, within the culture, it's it's very um, encouraged to share that experience. So that's what I'm doing in every way possible. And uh, that's a little bit about what I want to share with you guys. Thank you health wise that's another reason why we wanted to have you on the show because i mean i know you're really into health stuff i mean you're a health free kind of kind of today you brought over some amazing um nut bread and some organic butter some looks like grass-fed butter which tasted amazing so you know you're on that health kick i am yep and uh you know along the journey it was um I was always uh, having to decide what am I going to eat, Some, a decision that we all make, but when you are using your body as your means of transportation, um, the food that you consume is that much more important. Um, as well, you know, being 
and newly out of uh, university and, you know, looking for jobs. And it was, um, I wasn't looking to spend, you know, a lot of money on food, but what I, what I quickly realized is that, you know, you can buy a banana for 27 cents or you can buy, you know, a burger and fries for $10. Um, it was sort of decisions like this. I became good at making and then started, you know, buying health, healthy food, um, you know, healthy snacks, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables. And that was my fuel. That was my energy. And uh, there was a, a direct correlation between the food I would eat and it's how it would, uh, it's output or how it would affect my, my performance and my performance. So what is longboarding? It's, it's a form of skateboarding where, um, you know, very focused on the push, very focused on a little bit more speed carving, um, maybe going down hills. But in my, in my case, it, it's about commuting. So yeah, um, you know, I like different kinds of teas, uh, different kinds of juice. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I eat all kinds of food. I just, I'm very conscious of the food I eat because it has a direct, um, effect on how I perform, how I, when I'm riding my board, which is every day, once or twice a day. You're so immersed in this lifestyle and this is awesome because I have no experience with longboarding. I get to be a total outsider to this lifestyle and I can kind of look in and ask some questions. So I'm just curious, first of all, how did you get into longboarding and how did you even start skateboarding? Was it, was longboarding the first thing you got into or how does one enter this whole lifestyle? Okay. So when I was around 14, 15, um, I was introduced to someone who was making boards in their garage. He had previously lived in San Diego. He was more closely, uh, um, connected to the sort of, um, birth of longboarding as, uh, as a genre of skateboarding. Um, so I was able to get a board from him. The difference between the two is um, bigger, softer wheels, wider trucks, which are the axle, which allows the board to turn, and usually a, a longer length deck, which gives more room for your feet. Also has a longer wheelbase, so it'll it'll carve and cruise better than a uh, traditional skateboard, which is small. Um, the wheels are hard, the trucks are more narrow, and it's intended uses for tricks, whether that's jumping up over something and uh, doing aerial tricks under your feet with the board all very cool stuff it's just um i feel as it's a little bit more of an aggressive form of skateboarding it requires a lot more technical skills whereas longboarding is sort of a easier uh lower barriers barriers to entry um it, it does uh, require basic balance something that we all need some of us have and some of us don't have and should should get I think it's it's a great, um, you know, longboarding and skateboarding are great uh, activities that help one build balance. So that's something that I teach often in my store. Someone will say, hey, I'd like to get my first board and I'll, I'll show them some things. And that's usually the first chance they have where I'll put the board down, show them how to stand on it, let them stand on it, let them determine what foot they push with, um, let them determine which foot is a front foot and um, have that feeling uh, of standing on the board. Uh, turning on your leaning on your toes leaning back on your heels um, getting a feel for what it's like to stand on a board so um, I get to introduce people to that basic form of balance and do you do like official lessons with people or it's just in the store casually when someone's buying a board so yeah it's funny um, the lessons kind of like unofficially starts in the store when they ask about boarding or ask about a board so I really like that opportunity to engage with people uh, in that way a lot of people, after they get their first board, their next question is, do you teach? 
And my answer is yes. Uh, at one time we did sort of a, a, a weekly um, free group lesson, which was great. We had a lot of kids coming out, a lot of people. Um, now I'll do private lessons on request. So anyone out there looking to learn how to longboard? Give Ryan a shout. We'll, hey. uh, give a, we'll hand out his contacts at the end yeah. of the show for sure. Good show. That's just a little plug. No, it's great. You know what's so amazing about that is I'm such a... I always like to learn from experts before I try anything. It's a bit of a perfectionist thing. So if I were ever to even consider getting on a longboard, which sounds amazing, like it looks so badass and I <laughs> think it's cool, but I would want, I would for sure want lessons. Sure. So that's well, that's so really interesting cool. because that speaks to the diversity of probably your clientele, your customers. Because my question would be, what type of people are buying longboards and I'm curious to see because it's like a cruiser almost compared to like to me it's like driving stick to driving automatic if I could use analogy to make it simpler in my head like a skateboard would be like driving stick a little more complex automatic uh, car would be more of like a longboard like you're kind of enjoying the ride a little more as you go along a little bit easier that's a good analogy another analogy would be um, yeah like a, a smaller sporty car would be a would be like a skateboard and a bigger um you know overall sized car would be more of a longboard more for cruising um, so that would make me think that you'd get a little bit maybe an older crowd like my age like 30 35 and up you know wanting to learn how to longboard yep so it's safe to say that there's a lot of people that want to learn uh young and old there's people like yourself who who may not go to a skate park but do need to get around and that's where it, it gets interesting is there there is a need that we all have to to get around and for transportation. And when you can take, you know, a, a 10 minute walk and turn it into a um, minute and a half ride, you've just completely changed and shifted your overall um, ability to move through through your day, through your life. Now you're, now the cool thing is once you, once you get going and uh, when Sean, once you move through the very simple learning curve of how do you push and all this, you get, you get to a point of comfort where your muscle memory in, in, improves and, and increases, uh, your strength increases, and uh, you're you're then able to focus more on your surroundings, looking at the bumps, looking at, at the cracks, uh, navigating around them, navigating through the city, and you're actually you're actually um, operating at like a you know a more uh, like a higher level of, with a higher level of awareness, mm -hmm. and you're navigating and you're you're using your physical body, you're pushing, and um, you know, a cool thing about pushing is it, is it really does involve balance. And that's something that I know um, you must be familiar with, with your yoga career. It's true. We do work on balance, core strength. I'm wondering, because people always think I'm going to be really good at stand-up paddleboard and doing stand-up paddleboard yoga. And it surprisingly doesn't translate great uh, for me anyway. But... I think it's, I, you're building interest in me now. I'm like, now I really want to try. Well, I think now you just need to do yoga on like one of those decks, the floating decks. Yeah. Just to kind of, you know, start there. That's all. Oh, they're man. doing that in New yoga idea. studios now. Oh, they're doing it. The oh, yoga okay. studio. Okay. Well, sorry, not longboard, but um, the yoga studio I used to work at in Newmarket, Yoga Source. Hello. Um, <laughs> they have these super cool portable stand-up paddleboards now, and they bring them into the studio. Wow. I know. Which, it kind of boggles my mind, because I'm like, can we just do yoga? <laughs> but it's also really cool, because it brings in the element of movement. and Yeah, I could see someone who's um, maybe at a standstill with 
their yoga and doesn't really can't, doesn't feel like they're progressing or want something new and be like all right here you go here's yeah. paddle boat try this new challenge new well, way to move your body because ryan said muscle memory right so your muscles used to it we want to put our muscle through something different so it's a form of cross training without leaving the yoga studio as well which i kind of want to ask you about i'm from a biomechanical perspective do you always lead with the same leg when you're on the board because my question is I'm wondering how because obviously if you always do things asymmetrically you're going to build muscle in asymmetrical ways do you switch legs I try not to switch legs because I do have um a, one one is dominant for for my front leg is, is dominant as a balance um for balance and then my uh push leg is dominant for push so I've I've, I've built endurance on both of those sides there is kind of a, a mis, sort of a, I guess a misconception that uh, you're going to build the muscles on one side more than the other. I guess you do a little bit, but I can't say for myself. For example, it's it's very noticeable. I think that there's a <clears throat> there's um, a level of um, muscle use on both sides of the body that it basically balances itself out. But yeah, you're kind of you are using a bit different muscles, but kind of it's almost like a it's very much a full body workout, which you know brings in your arms brings in your balance leg, brings in your push leg. It's kind of almost like swimming, almost like running, but you've got a board under your foot. And now with your board, with a board under one foot, you can push, so you're concentrating all your weight onto one side. You're basically doing a one-legged squat with your front leg, and you're pushing with your opposite leg. Um, as you start, you know, reaching higher speeds, you're, you're pushing, you're almost like you're, then you're shifting gears. So then your, your, your push is gonna change and you're gonna start pushing a little bit harder and you're gonna, you know, now you're reaching higher speeds. Also really fun, um, so sorry, you know, I, I don't notice too much muscle difference. I think you're using more of a full body, but you're concentrating, you know, each side of your body to one specific movement. Do you do any stretches and stuff? Do you do any, um, maybe yoga? Maybe yoga will would help that, eh? I, one thing, you know, I highly encourage, you know, myself to do, I, it's something I don't do enough. Um, I think it, adds a huge um, element to, you know, mobility. And, um, you know, I, I do encourage a lot of riders, um, you know, to stretch before and after they ride. Um, it's not something that's like necessarily built into the culture, but um, highly encouraged. You, 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 you do have to take care of your body. That's like we were talking about nutrition. And I think the next step is, is stretching and making sure that your, you know, your muscles are, are all um, nimble and that you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be good for the next ride and the next, you know, so you can, you can, you can progress your skills and you can push harder, you can ride harder, you can build your endurance. Um, I think that's, it's all very important. So I don't do yoga enough, but, um, I, I think, I think it's great. Uh, it, it, longboarding is a great activity for people that do yoga, it's sort of like a form of mo mobile yoga. You're, you're moving, you're balancing, you're breathing, you're stretching. I think that's, that's kind of a cool direction that the sport could go. So, you know, Spring, summer, 17. <laughs> Stay we got, tuned. We've got some new sessions going on. It makes me, it reminds me of, there's some overlap with different activities. So to me, yoga, climbing, skateboarding, surfing, a lot of these things have to do with being in the flow, uh, connecting to breath. And there's also, there's just this built in, to me, spirituality with a lot of those things. So yeah, strive for the stro uh, stoke. <laughs> exactly. That's, I'm, I just made a new slogan: strive for the stoke. Okay, Ryan. Yeah, I like that, Sean. I'm not gonna steal it though. Okay, okay. I'll lend it to you once in a while. 
Um, yeah, and like briefly regarding uh, spirituality, I, I can honestly say that I, I have had a, um, a fairly spiritual experience, um, more so in um, the early, early uh, stages of this sort of uh, lifestyle brand I was developing. Um, I was, you know, when you have your, your whole body activated and you're moving and your awareness is, is like, you know, raised and your, your body's active and you're kind of in your own zone, you're, you're, you know, you're getting lots of oxygen, you're all, you're, you're moving around town, you're eating good food, you're having good conversations. And then you kind of like, kind of like you, you kind of like you say so you find yourself, but for me, it was that the ideas were coming to me. So I'd be on my board, I'd be, you know, skating up to the to my house in the annex after I just came from Kensington with a bag full of coconut water, bananas and almonds. And there I was getting these ideas about this brand and this culture and what I was doing. And it was sort of like being confirmed right in front of me as I was doing it. And I would take those ideas home and I would then, you know, process them. And then I'd leave my house the next day and I'd be sort of, that was, you know, essentially um, uh, the spiritual part of, of my brand, which was just an opportunity. It was an opportunity to connect to myself and to, um, to, uh, you know, get, get those good, good ideas and good, good, good vibes and get, you know, connect to myself and my spirit. That's honestly, that's really what, uh, what I really like about you is because you took, you turn this into really a lifestyle. You approach it from that direction. I mean, it's called longboard living, but you really do look at it from every angle and you look at it as you know it's a part of you and your day goes on and you do things and they do relate back uh, to longboarding and, and even the spiritual aspect one thing I want to ask you actually is before you changed your diet how did you feel when you were like eating regular stuff and longboarding well I can't honestly say that I ever had like a very bad diet I mean I was always fairly health conscious but um so I didn't, I can't say I, I noticed a huge, I guess what I noticed was when I was consuming high energy foods or, um, you know, high vibrational foods and, you know, uh, along my journey, I was meeting, you know, interesting people. Like for example, um, there's a, before I had my store and I was just kind of longboarding through Toronto, I, I popped into this cool art gallery called Orbital Arts and in, inside were two really cool um, dudes named Leo and Joe and all their art was spiritually charged and I had lots of great conversations with them and they'd always give me good great information and books to read and um, like the, um, the Celestine Prophecy or um, uh, I'll have to you know check out which other ones there were the Alchemist um, but yeah this the whole idea within that sort of spiritual path there was um, always the idea of high vibrational foods and um things that you can use to raise your own frequency and that was i think that's that's i think a, a journey that i i felt like i embarked on is is personally to you know raise my both raise my raise our vibrations as people and what do you mean by hybrid by vibrational food? like like almonds and things with like electrolytes and things that are just like foods that are charged with good energies okay all right so nutrient dense like we talk about and just you know good for you it's not going to make you feel bad yeah, not like, packed with tons of preservatives and toxins. not I, I think there's something to be said about things that are overly processed whatever literally food does have energy and the more we strip it down it's going to have less energy I think there's lots of ways of looking at this um, I guess I'm trying to make it sound more scientific well but I yeah get, but I also yeah. understand well I mean and saying. and Ryan we've talked about this and you know 
again, even just like I know juicing, we were big fans of juicing. Still, I'm a big fan of juicing as uh, still too. And I know when I drink, you know, a juice in the morning, you know, I'll get kale, bananas, whatever it is, an apple, you know, um, some beets. I do feel fresh and energized after that. And I know you've spoken about that too. Could you touch up on juicing? Sure. Um, so I got into juices with um, this company, Live Organic Raw. Um, I was on a weekly juice, not program, but I'd order from them regularly and they delivered to my shop, which was super cool. Um, and I just, I felt like um, having these juices more frequently is going to help give you energy. It's going to help your body, you know, process all the other stuff it has to. So yes, yeah, it's, it's real simple. It's the more drink you juice, the, the more juice you drink, the better. So I like that. Um, more recently, I've kind of developed a, a routine with, um, in the morning, I'll generally have a, a cereal with sort of some some flakes, some whole wheat flakes, uh, some different granolas, some, some nuts, uh, some bananas, and you know, some other seasonal fruit or uh, frozen organic fruit sort of in my cereal. So very much a, a diverse um, cereal with a lot of different nutrients. And then uh, I'll have that sort of early in the morning and that gets me going. And then sort of before I go to work or I'll bring it to work will be a smoothie. I've got uh, a Nutra Bullet, which is a super awesome smoothie making Amazing. machine. Yeah. yeah. And then with that, I'll, I like to have um, kale, bananas, um, usually different frozen fruits. Uh, I'll have maybe frozen pineapple, maybe some apple if it's fresh and uh, different powders, uh, uh, greens, greens plus protein powder actually um, was very uh, blessed to be offered in, uh, as to be an ambassador for Greens Plus, which is um, the company's called Genuine Health and their uh, most well-known product is Greens Plus and they have all different versions of this with different flavors, um, sort of some vegan ones, some non-dairy ones, some all the different uh, types of protein powders and supplements. So shout out Genuine Health. Absolutely. That's awesome. Another thing that you mentioned earlier, Kensington Market, you know, going to different shops and kind of experiencing that world. Talk about the community you live in and how important that is to your well-being. Sure. Yeah. So um, I'm, I feel really lucky to be, you know, situated uh, with my, my, my workplace, my business in Kensington Market. Um, it's a really eclectic neighborhood, different cultures, a lot of different people. It's kind of a place where you can sort of, exp you know, feel like you're in sort of old, an old European town, um, which is exactly sort of what it is. A lot of uh, immigrants came here to Kensington Market um, from, you know, Portuguese, Chinese, um, all different uh, other types of uh, people. And today we have this sort of really cool uh, eclectic mix of people. Um, and we have a lot of new businesses. We have a lot of health conscious businesses, a lot of green grocers, um, specialty meats, specialty fish organics um, so you don't have to leave I think I think it's really cool um, that you know being so uh, you know health conscious I have have the opportunity to listen to my body find out what it is I want and then you know go through a list of places in the market so oh, do I want a salad okay which what kind of salad do I want oh do I do I feel like you know some meat some protein okay um, which place do I want to go to for that and then I think that's sort of something I've been really lucky to be able to to do. Um, I think yeah, I overheard on your last um, podcast, it's, it's not about having a strict diet, but it's about, you know, feeding your body what it wants. Yeah. I think that, that can be harder than it seems sometimes for a lot of people that maybe aren't in my situation where there's like, 
you know, a glorified food court around you. You know what I'm getting from you and I think is amazing and I'm trying to cultivate it in my own life is that you are, you're very clear about what your passion is, what your, what your aim is, what you, your, the message you want to spread to people and you're living your life in accordance with that. And I'm becoming so clear with that in my own life with, I'm getting, I know what I want to tell people and I will do everything. Everything I do in my day is built around spreading that message. So you're truly living this lifestyle and paying yeah. it forward. And I think that's really admirable. Absolutely. It's a confidence, right? It's, it's, I, I don't know if this has to do with age, but definitely maturity. You know, you get to a level where you're not, I'm not at least so concerned with uh, what other people think. Um, maybe what uh, a certain established community says is right. You know, and just like you guys have been saying, you know, going with what I feel I might need. Um, is important and that might take some quiet time to figure it out you know maybe go on a little bit of a board trek that's probably not what people call it what do you call when you take your board out and just hang out is it a certain word or just uh it's called going for a ride or going yes sorry going for a cruise or yeah yeah maybe going for a ride you know you're thinking about those things how you feel and stuff like that so taking the time out to do that i think is vital how do you nourish yourself in that way? Do you meditate or do you find being on your board is meditative? Exactly. I, I find that being on my board is a form of meditation. It actually, um, it, you're forced to focus um, on the road, focus on the board, focus on your navigation, and you kind of like subconsciously um, stop thinking about all the other things, which is very much what um, meditation and yoga is all about. Focusing on your breath, focusing on your, your practice, focusing on your stretching. So within that, without without you know without being in a room with an instructor, you're just on your board in the city, going somewhere you have to go, and at that point your 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 you know your distractions are minimized. Your focus on what you're doing is increasing, and then you feel good after that. You feel good while you're doing it, and uh, yeah. I find that the city for me can be overwhelming. It's busy I also love the city very much but do you find that being on your board downtown which is where Kensington Market is located are you able to separate yourself a little bit from the noise from the distractions yeah do you want to speak on that uh, yeah absolutely um, it's cool you know downtown there's a lot of major streets let's say um, Spadina to Bloor um, over to well, let's say Bathurst down to Queens so those are main main streets now I'm not, I'm not encouraging anyone to take those roads as they travel through the city on their board. I'd prefer that they take side streets. Why? Because, well, between, for those of you that are familiar with Toronto, between uh, Spadina and Bathurst, Queen and Bloor, there's a lot of side streets, a lot of residential one-way streets, and they're full of trees and little houses, and like, you know, you don't feel like you're in a big city. So Toronto's good in that sense, uh, and if you do get, you know, to let's say a major street like Spadina, you have a wide sidewalk, you have a bike lane. And I think you know, depending on your uh, your comfort level, um, you know, you can, you can determine what what part of the road you want to ride on. So that's a little bit less intimidating. Also, um, in the first year I had my store, which was 2010, I sort of it was funny. I opened up. We were in this basement of the house. We had a launch party, and then next thing you know, it's like, all right, Monday, Tuesday, went through the week. I'm kind of there and I'm like, what, what do I do now? I've got this store and these products, but like what I forced myself to do was host an event, a weekly event. And every Wednesday at seven, we had what we called, and still do to this day, uh, side street surfing. 
So surfing on side streets is, you know, very straightforward in terms of riding with a group weekly on low traffic streets. is a great opportunity for people to learn how to build on their skills, learn from other people, and also feel more confident when you're in a group rather than just being like one person in a, you know, against all these cars or whatever. There's 5, 10, 15 people. You feel a lot more confident and um, it's a good sort of riding and learning environment. So yeah, you don't have to feel so scared about being in the city. You can you can also, before you even get to a side street, there's parks and paths. Uh, we often go to Christie Pitts. Um, I have some clients I teach lessons to at a park called Cedarvale. It's up uh, north of, just north of St. Clair, west of Bathurst. And there's like a lot of um, parks and paths and places like totally away from cars and traffic and, um, and things. So I like to encourage people, I like to, you know, to, to ride in, in those environments. You make it sound really accessible, which is cool. I didn't I didn't expect to enter this con- or exit this conversation being like, I want to learn how to longboard now. That sounds yeah, terrible. You know, also. absolutely. And you, it's again, when you, when someone's passionate about something, you know, it makes you feel good. You want to do it. Yeah. And, and you describing it like that, it really makes uh like Sandra said, me want a longboard. Let's do it. I wanted to talk about the joy, the joy of it, joy of riding, because you you know you, you make it sound amazing, you make it sound very joyous. Now, when you're selling a board to other people, obviously they're happy, they they've done it. Do they come back and do they tell talk about their stories to you? Do you get joy out of it? I do. I mean, I think it's cool when we have our sort of weekly side street surf sessions at the beginning of the season. Someone, you know, one guy might come in and he's very much a beginner, and as as he comes in and rides with the group, he learns new skills. You know, he learns how to maybe how to how to go down a hill without falling. You know, he learns how to certain maneuvers you can do called sliding. There's different slides you can do that um, allow you to both control your speed when you're going fast, but also it's like a trick and also shows that you have style. There's an infinite number of ways in which you can slide, toe side, heel side, 180, all that. So I, I really do like watching people go through the learning curve. And like I've mentioned this sort of learning curve a few times, and I'll kind of briefly run over that again. Someone comes in, they don't know how to ride, they learn the basics while they're in the store talking to me. As they leave, they sort of develop their skill sets, their muscles get a little bit tired, and um, eventually they have the ability to be a commuter, to start to maybe uh, feel more comfortable at high speeds, and um, and then, you know, you're an everyday commuter, you're comfortable with speeds, and then next thing you know, you might be going down a hill uh, learning some tricks. And that's not what we necessarily encourage, is that you go down a hill learn tricks, but it's part of the sport, and that's where it goes from being something you do as a beginner to every day as a commuter to recreationally with your friends in search of a bigger, longer, perfect hill, and they're out there, and that's where they maybe you'll have outlaw, sorry, you'll have different types of races or different types of events, and I, I do like watching people go through the learning curve. I've seen it many times, and uh, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. What about when? Uh the bliss the joy of it the stoke as you like to say when you see someone stoking out <laughs> i'm just creating lingo for yeah, you for no, your life it's all good i guess no it's, 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 it's when you see them good. stoking out i mean i could see that being like a really amazing feeling i mean you know i've given them hopefully i've provided them with the tools and the basic information they need um hopefully they can pass that on to other people in fact that's the challenge i give people sometimes is they'll come back they'll come to our sessions they'll come hang out at the shop and i'm like okay great that you're here but like why don't you bring more people here like not not just so that i can sell them a board um but like so that you can share what you've gained 
Um, it'd be like if you had a really great yoga class or you went to some cool, and you, you bring your friends to that class and they bring their friends and then the next thing you know, you know, everyone's doing this new cool thing. And so I have to kind of like challenge people sometimes to, you know, if you're in high school, like I'm not in high school, I'm in my store all day long. If you're in high school, there's a thousand kids there and you're passionate about longboarding. Don't you think you can try to, you know, share your passion with some people at your school, convert some sales, start a little club. I think there's, there's, um, definitely that sort of what I call, um, in, oh, like entrepreneurship between people Mm. in a good way. It's like you gain something from, you know, uh, from sharing. Yeah. Well, and it could lead to selling, but like it's, you know, the, the, the transaction is part of, part of the interaction. Yeah. And I can see you, you have to toe the line between, you know, businessmen and fulfilling someone's dream of uh, longboarding and adding to their life and happiness um i think that you could take solace in the fact that you can do that like i mean if i'm selling t-shirts i'm I'm not going to be like oh i'm bringing so much joy into this person's life they're going to be uh wearing this t-shirt like unless that t-shirt had a message i think there are right i think it's cool that there are a lot of brands out there that that their brands know that they can't just sell t-shirts anymore they have to have a social cause you know one percent has to go towards something or I, I, you know, I remember this uh, group from Ryerson, uh, they have a, a startup zone and basically it said the coordinates of the village that the money was going towards. So I think, yeah, there's, 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 um, you know, I know what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, the t-shirt will break down. It'll rip. You'll lose it. Longboarding is with you forever now. Now that you've learned it, you true, go true, pick true. up another longboard and go do it again. They can buy multiple boards from Ryan Rubin. That's right. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about living your message. And yeah, you're a, you're a business owner, but you've invested or you, you're you sharing something that you're super passionate about and that will probably bring people joy, which makes the world better. So I don't think we're almost saying, you know, I'm not selling it. We're saying it like it's a bad thing that you're selling it, but it's not because you're putting something really good into the world. And that's what my message to people in general. I'm like, if you wake up in the morning and you're, you go and you do something where you spread joy, like you're, you're doing a good thing. So, and, and kudos. you can't fake it. You can't fake genuine. You can't fake a, a lifestyle and that type of stuff. So, you know, if, if I'm buying something from Ryan, I don't want, if he's not genuine about it, if he's just trying to make a buck off me, I'm not going to feel good about it. And I'm definitely not going to come back if I, even if I purchased I think you being passionate about it, um, that just adds to the f- good feeling that people can come into your store and not feel cheated and then come back and have a conversation with you. And it's no easy feat to me. Like the fact that you have a, a storefront, that you have a store in Kensington Market, the, one of the coolest places in Toronto, and you've been there for how long? Six years, six, seven years. That is huge. So Right, you got over the whole business. Didn't they say uh, business fails after like three years? And dies for sure after five. <laughs> and we were talking about earlier that we're in the city of Toronto. We have a long winter. So you, even though you're not in Southern California where people are into this 12 months of the year, you're still, you're still doing it. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. I mean, um, cool. The winter is not cool actually for me, but, um, you know, I, I have been able to sort of, um, navigate through the sort of slower months, um, and uh, it has been a challenge and very much a test. Uh, there's there's a huge market for this product and a, a growing market year after year. So, I mean, my ability to, you know, sort of capitalize on the strong months and use my sort of slower months in the fall, I start to plan for the next year. 
Um, things started to pick up a little bit for the holidays. Um, I'm very much affected by the sales and uh, the busyness of my of, of my business. There's a lot of opportunities out there more for more um, more strategic marketing and more. I'm just really you know trying to spread the message of boarding to um, share all the positive things that one can get from it and at the same time manage and run a business that you know is sort of the the core of my intentions to to share um, and then yet yeah, in comes uh, <clears throat> January and February which are I guess a bit of a write-off um, unfortunately but um, things start to pick up in February March March sort of March break there's a little bit whole new whole new traffic there's people coming back around people on vacation people kind of new sort of movements, new, new patterns, March, April, things kind of warm up, people start to come in and then May really kind of kicks off the season um, and May, June, July, August, September into October. So yeah, it's kind of an uh, up and down cycle, but you know, every year we learn some new things. Every year we develop some new practices. We actually, um, I don't think I mentioned, but within our store, uh, we have our own brand of boards. It's called Merca. Um, so we decided to have a board brand that was separate from our store name, which is, is a form of uh, diversification. One cool thing about Merca is it's not specifically long boards. It actually has everything from a mini board to a regular skateboard, um, different you know mid-size cruising boards, and then your full-size longboard commuting board or downhill board. So there's six or seven boards in the lineup um, that you know gives an, an, another role to me, which is you know product development have to, you know, had over the years to determine the shapes um, that reflect different riding styles. And then when someone comes in, I can connect them and they're, they're I can connect them to a specific board. Um, so that actually, you know, is like having that brand is like a tool for me to help make the purchasing process effortless or, you know, with less effort. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, designing boards, designing graphics, working with different artists. Um, we've, you know, done a, a couple renovations where we're always kind of transforming the space so that people can have a new experience or, and whatnot. Actually, um, briefly, I'll touch on one of the newest products that we've gotten into is electric skateboards, which some people call cheating. I, you know, I tend to argue as I'm an avid, uh, electric skateboard rider. And I think it's, it's actually just, it's taken my passion for boarding and taken it to a whole nother level. Really? Where I can reach speeds of 30 to 35 kilometers an hour with the controlling, you know, my speed through a handheld remote, and wow. um, yeah, so that's incredible. That's cool. 35 kilometers an hour. Around that, yeah, that's actually the top speed for an unlicensed motorized vehicle, like a like a scooter, just like an e-bike. Yeah, e-bike. Yeah, that's incredible. That's you can go pretty cool. fast with that, so you can get around town in no time in this crazy traffic laden city we live in so you know our, our motto is still keep on pushing very very much so um but you know it, it has been cool to sort of be you know through the business to be part of the the new developments in board culture and uh i think electric skateboards are one of the newest ones and we've we've had uh some good success with them uh big demand a lot of people a lot of people coming in for them that wouldn't normally purchase a longboard or a skateboard but maybe they you know they they have a full-time job and they, um, you know, a car is not the most practical thing to have in the city. Um, their bikes gotten stolen, etc. This is kind of like a whole new, whole new category of people who, you know, demand, you know, transportation and, you know, see see the the fun factor as well. So um, yeah, it's been o o opening the doors to a whole new group of, of people. So 
we're refining the process of this podcast and I was spending some time this week really thinking about what are, what's the question underlying this podcast and what are we really trying to understand through interviews and, and for me, I'm asking the question, the world it can be hard to navigate, a busy city is hard to navigate. And the question for this podcast is how can we live better in this very complicated world? How can I feel better and how can I do things in a more simplistic way with more ease? And so Sean and I were talking earlier about traffic in the city and it's just Toronto, it's especially in the summer when they're closing down streets left, right and center, it's hard to get around. It's hard to get around with TTC, public transit and in a car it can be crazy. So I think this is amazing because it gives people a new tool, a new vehicle to get around the city when in so many ways it's becoming harder and harder to get around. You could say you know, people are spending thousands and thousands on bicycles, which like you said, probably easier to steal. You can take your longboard in with you if you're going into a store, home or business or whatever it is. That's another big plus. It just speaks to uh, the message needs to get out there and be a little more available and accessible to people. And I'd like to see uh, more people riding their longboards around. I mean, especially Lakeshore. I mean, it's such a beautiful location and you have all this amazing space and scenery. And, uh, you know, that's the good thing about this city too. People do like to get out. They like to ride their bikes. They like to walk. Um, so this is another thing. I think I, I could see myself like getting on a booster board or even a regular longboard you know, take my dog for a little walk, you know, getting him on the board. He likes to, he likes to balance himself in my car anyways. So, but, uh, you know, this is great. So Ryan, okay. Walk me through a scenario. I'm at your store. I'm with my dog rumble and I want to, I don't know why rumble needs to be there, but I want to buy a board, man. How much do these things cost? What am I doing? Cool. So yeah, that's, um, uh, a great question. And, uh, a long board will range a complete board ready to ride will range anywhere from two to 300. Uh, could be a little bit more if you're into some high performance gear, but for for someone like yourself, two to three hundred um, for for a, a board, trucks, wheels, bearings, script tape, hardware, the whole riding riding board. Um, I encourage you to get a helmet. Um, we carry helmets by Burn. They run for around sixty dollars. Um, and then there's your board, your helmet. That's really all you need. Um, elbow pads, knee pads are optional. You can get a, a, a combo pack of hard shell elbows and knee pads. For sixty, so there's there I'd say two hundred um, plus one twenty at the max. You'd be three three twenty for a for safety gear and a full full size board plus tax. It's not too bad. Not too bad. Otherwise, if I, I could buy a thousand dollar bike, have that stolen the next day. Yeah, I think also like snowboards. No offense to bike riders, sorry. Snowboards again. No offense to snowboarding, but like you know, you're faced with a you know like a four to eight hundred dollars for a deck. Two three hundred dollars for boots and bindings. Yeah. I think you know. I think it is a very accessible sport. I'm also very biased, but no, I, I do believe there's good value in 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 a in a complete longboard. All right, um, come spring, I'm gonna come see you. I want to get my board. Cool. I might too. Sandra's gonna come with me. Yeah. We'll, we'll go drink some juice and uh, grab some longboards and. Eat some, eat, sounds... some, eat some nourishing food. That and... sounds great, Ryan. We're going to have you on the show again because you're such a good voice. I love you, man. Yeah, me it's too. Good. Me too. So how do our dear listeners of Toronto get in touch with you and find out what's going on at the store? Sure. So again, uh, Longboard Living, we're in Kensington Market at 202 Augusta Avenue right at the intersection of Augusta and Baldwin. Uh, online, you can find us at longboardliving.com where we've got an, an online store with a lot of our products. 
We have all the social media accounts. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, maybe Snapchat, even on SoundCloud. So we're all over the net. Just Google or search up Longboard Living and you'll find us one way or another. All hail Longboard Living. Hey. Join the movement, folks. Join the movement. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your message, for living your message. I think that serves everybody. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Nourished 8 podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can check us out on Instagram. You can uh, look at our website, www.thenourished8podcast.com and listen to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. All right. See you later, folks. Peace. Thank you.